This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. I'd like to thank our sponsors who make our podcast possible. We take our podcast with the ongoing support of Raider and Jason Sikora, our sound engineer. Raider is a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. Iberia Bank and First Horizon, who are now one bank. Two relationship-driven banks, both leaders in the industry, have officially joined forces. The combination of Iberia Bank and First Horizon creates a leading financial services company dedicated to enriching the lives of their clients, associates, and their communities. I'd also like to thank Lafayette General Health, who has joined the Oshner Health family and is now Oshner Lafayette General. As one health system, Oshner Lafayette General will provide expanded services and enhanced care from the familiar faces you already trust. Oshner Lafayette General means more resources to help solve healthcare's toughest problems, reinvesting in our communities, and being further committed to health and wellness. Oshner Lafayette General, together means more. Learn more today at togethermeansmore.org. It's tax time. Lafayette Parish Tax Assessor Conrad Como joins us to explain how taxes are levied and collected. Who pays for what? And how is your home's value assessed? These issues all really hit home when you get that bill in the mail. Serving as our tax assessor since 2001, Conrad Como previously served on the Lafayette Parish Council from 1984 to 1996. A native of Scott, He graduated from USL, now UL Lafayette, with degrees in biology and chemistry and received a master's degree in health administration from Tulane University. Conrad has been active in incorporating technology to help serve the public. He was the first assessor in the state to put property values online and the first in Lafayette Parish to produce a digital map of ownership parcels. Conrad, I'm excited to have you here because you've been helpful to me in some of my community endeavors, and I thought it'd be good for people to get to know the person behind that office and to explain what you do. So thank you for joining us today. You're quite welcome. It's yeah. always it's always good to, to let people know how the property tax system works because I find that so many people don't really understand it, mm-hmm. and that's just justifiably so. I, I get it because it, it can be complex, particularly because of the way we do things in Louisiana, which is different than in other states. And so let's start with that. Well, let's start with you first, if we can. Okay, all right. So you you were in health administration studying that. How in the world did you end up as our tax assessor? Well, let's go even further back. (laughs) I started out in the oil field in uh, 1981, uh, without having a crystal ball, I started a an oil field rental tool company. And 1982 is when the slowdown began. Exactly. 1986 is when the bottom hit. Mm-hmm. So I had to lay myself off <laughs> from the company I started uh, and went from that into, tried insurance sales after that, and then health care. But along the way, I was serving on the parish council. Right. So I had my so to speak, foot in the door. I knew what tax assessment was all about. And 
Then after insurance and healthcare, uh, I spent probably 10 years in healthcare, in healthcare administration. Um, I thought, well, the sheriff is retiring. The clerk of court died in office, so there would oh, be a new clerk. Mr. Giot, yeah. And I thought, well, maybe it's time to change the assessor too. And so I decided to run against the sitting assessor and uh, won that race in 1999. And so That was it, pretty bold. Yeah, it wasn't the first time, though, I, I had defeated an incumbent. I, I defeated an incumbent uh, when I ran for parish council. You did? Who was that? A.J. LeBlanc. Yeah. A.J. went on was the uh, director out at uh, uh, Cadian Village, mm-hmm. and uh, I defeated—he was on a police jury, and then when we con- we changed to the parish government form uh, that we currently, or had then, he decided to run for the seat— and I ran against him and uh-huh. beat him then, and uh, then I beat another incumbent to to win this. Seat. That's a great t- track record, man. Uh, <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing, you know, when it comes to politics, yeah. uh, and you know, I I, I didn't know people, all this. Yeah, people want to know why why don't I run for something higher up or some other office? It's because I, I'm not a politician. I understand politics. I know how it works. I'm just trying to do a job mm-hmm. and have an impact, not only locally but statewide. Right. And I can do that in the role that I'm in, influencing legislation, uh, or in some cases defeating legislation that's mm-hmm. bad, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. having a statewide impact as well as an impact locally mm-hmm. with trying to keep things fair and equitable. And I respect that. Your office is similar to, you know, Louis Perrett with the clerk of court. You get in there, and it's really a public service. Right. But people depend on stability and, and just, you know, we really need your office to run efficiently. Yeah. And, and the thing that, the way I look at it is that, you know, there's a lot of strife going on in this country about red versus blue and whatnot. Mm-hmm. This office, like Lewis's office, mm-hmm. the clerk's office, is non-political. We're there to do a job. And I don't let who somebody is or who they're not influence what we do. We're about the numbers. <laughs> and, and the numbers tell us the story. Right. And, and so we just stick with the numbers. It's like that old, uh, uh, what was it, dragnet? Stick to the facts, ma'am. Just right. the facts. Right. Okay. Well, that's what we do. You know, it's we, we want to stick to the facts, the numbers. And there's a lot of numbers to juggle. You've got a bunch of paper in front of you, I guess, with all the different millages. And <laughs> yeah. we've got city and parish, and we've got special taxing districts and sales taxes and all kinds of things that, I guess, swirl around. They're, you're not over all that, but no, that's but part of what you do as far as assimilating where the parish and the city are. Let, let's, let's look at that. And, and that's something that people might want to learn about, and that is, what are the main sources of government, of funding for mm-hmm. local government? Mm-hmm. Now, state and federal, it's, it's a little bit different, but the main sources for local government are property taxes, sales taxes, and use taxes. What I mean by use taxes, let me give you an example. If you go to the Hyman Center for a performance, mm-hmm. They're going to add on, say, $2. I don't know what the exact number is, but let's just call it $2 mm-hmm. for a, a fee. When your kids are in Little League soccer or sports of any kind, well, they have to pay a fee to join. It might be $10, $15. Well, that's a use fee. 
You have to pay something along the way for those services. Mm -hmm. And so that's what use fees are. And the biggest revenue generator for local government around here is sales tax. In Texas, it's property tax. Mm -hmm. In other states, property tax is the big revenue generator for local government. Here, it's kind of the opposite, sales tax. Sales taxes are the biggest generator. Well, other places don't have that huge uh, homestead exemption that we do. 75000 is very high for an very, exemption. Very high, mm-hmm. very high. And, and that is correct, as well as our millages are very low. See, you can have that high homestead exemption, but if you had higher millages, mm-hmm. then that would offset some of that, uh, some of that exemption. Right. And to give you an example of that, Lafayette Parish millages in some years have been half of what they are in St. Tammany Parish. I've always heard that, especially yes. education. Yeah. Like the, oh, the edu- way that we tax things is so skewed compared to other parishes. Right, absolutely. Uh-huh. St. Tammany's school taxes are as high as we pay for our entire t- parish tax amount. Right. Well, wow. 80-something mills. 80-some-odd mills. Uh And that has a detrimental effect to Lafayette, for Lafayette Parish, because the minimum foundation formula that's used by the state in determining how much state money you'll receive Mm. is dependent, in some extent, on how much you're willing to tax yourself. Right. Well, if you're not willing to tax yourself property tax-wise for the schools, Mm -hmm. then they're not going to give you as much. Right. And so when you look at that, it's, it kind of yeah. hurts us. And that's because those other parishes, let's say North Louisiana, that don't generate hardly any money, they're getting revenue too. Right. So they have to, or those children would have no <laughs> public schools. That, that's that's in correct. In Claiborne Parish or something, there has to be money spread around. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, people say that, you know, our property taxes are high here. Well, actually, compared to the other major municipality uh, parishes, major munis- areas with muni- large municipalities such as Calcasieu or, mm-hmm. or East Baton Rouge or Jefferson Parish or you name it, any one of the big ones, we're the absolute lowest in the state as far as our millage rate. Mm-hmm. So it, it's things are relative right. <laughs> when you're talking about right. property taxes. So let's go back to the deal about sales taxes. We've been reading in the paper, I mean, we're here early, well, mid-December now, uh, 2021, Sales taxes are going through the, the roof. We're really, it's not just Christmas either. People right. are buying things with that pandemic, you know, trying to come out of it. I think people have been pent up so long, they're just buying up everything. Well, that, and, and that's, that's been great for the city and parish governments because prior to that, they were pretty strapped financially, particularly mm-hmm. the parish, mm-hmm. where the parish had gotten, their, their uh, fund balance had gotten down to $50,000. Fifty thousand for the yeah. parish. That's that's right. uh, it's unbelievable. It's not going to pave many roads or fix potholes. Oh, that, that's not going to do much right. at all. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's not a good position to be in if we had a major emergency, mm-hmm. uh, because then all of a sudden you you're having to spend money that you don't have. So their sales they they collect at one penny. Uh, yes, the parish has once. And well, yes, and and that's been part of the problem in the past areas. for parish government uh-huh. in that. When property is annexed into a city, the residents in that area and the businesses no longer pay that one cent sales tax to the parish. It then goes to the city. Mm-hmm. 
well, what have the cities done? But they've annexed all the revenue-producing areas. Right. So what's left? So is what's kind left of, is, yeah. is is generates not enough money for mm-hmm. parish government. In fact, what it's generating today is close to what it was generating when I was on the parish council. 1984. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't it amazing. It is. It is really amazing when I yeah. look at it. Of course, this pandemic has kind of skewed that mm-hmm. uh, in a good way for the parish. But prior to that, it was right. That's pretty daunting when you think about that. Wait a minute, the same revenue? It's pretty mm-hmm. much the same revenue. And yeah. So when these sales taxes are collected, again, that's not part of your office, but to explain where money goes. So the cities all collect sales taxes, not just Lafayette, but Scott, yes. Esau, et cetera. Yes. And then the unincorporated areas of the parish collects sales tax. So that goes into the coffers of those cities. And, and yeah, and the parish government. Mm-hmm. So then they can use that for whatever they want. That is correct. Okay. Except. The city of Lafayette has a dedicated, um, a portion of their sales tax revenue is dedicated. And Youngsville is a similar situation where they passed another penny for the recreation. Mm-hmm. And I think Broussard did also. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Some of it is dedicated. Some of it is dedicated. Right. But they do have one cent that's not in those those smaller municipalities. Okay. So. What? Where does your office come in with the uh, property? Let's say, let's go to the the other taxing that, that happens. Well, our office deals with assessing. We really don't get too deeply involved in the taxing component. So the tax bill doesn't come from you. Not at all. And it you comes, don't collect the money. We don't collect it. All we do is we just try to figure out what are the values of mm-hmm. land and buildings and external uh, objects, features that affect value on mm-hmm. those properties to come up with a value that property tax can be based on. Mm-hmm. So, so like we're here in my home today. So my home is assessed, is it land and then the improvement? Yes, yes. And, so, and, and we separate that in Louisiana, mm-hmm. unlike a lot of states, where they look at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Say your house is worth... And let's just pick a number. Say three hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand, whatever. <clears throat> excuse me, whatever number you you want to pick. Let's say two hundred thousand. Let's keep a low number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everybody wants a low number. <laughs> on uh, the tax rolls. On, yeah. You're right on the tax rolls. Well, let's say it's two hundred thousand dollars. Then we have in some states they figure the uh, assessments. I mean the the uh, exemptions on the whole. Picture. Okay. In Louisiana, we have to break it down by land, building, and what we call extra features. Mm-hmm. That being, uh, you know, fences, brick fences, and swimming pools and tennis courts. Uh, and, oh. and then when we apply the exemption, the homestead, let's use ex- homestead exemption, we apply it first to the building, to the home. To the home, because mm-hmm. if the home didn't exist, you wouldn't have an exemption in the first place. Right. So we apply it to the home. If your home is only valued at say fifty thousand, well, that leaves twenty-five thousand more exemption that can be applied to the land, okay, or to other buildings on the property mm-hmm. or other improvements on the property. So we break it down like that in Louisiana, and that that right there brings the complexity to the tax system and why it it's confusing to people. Because state law says that all land will be assessed at 10% of its market value. Mm-hmm. 
So if your land is worth, say, $50,000, we'll assess it for one-tenth of that or Mm -hmm. $5,000. All residential buildings are at 10%. So if your house is worth $150,000, we'll assess it at $15,000. Well, commercial is at 15%. So if we said your building on this land is worth $100,000, Instead of it being assessed for ten thousand like a residence would, we'd assess it for fifteen thousand. And that, you know, when people see their assessed value on their on a on a tax bill or on some kind of notice, they look at it and it. it uh, I'm not sure what that number means. Right. And that's part of the problem here. My preference would be, well, let's just assess it at what it's worth. Period. Right. right. And adjust the millages accordingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. But how, how do you assess the property? Like, do you have minions that go out? And how, how do they know, let's say, what my house is worth? They don't come in. They don't look at it. Well, that's and that does create a challenge mm-hmm. for us, uh, particularly in areas where there's a big variability in the values. Well, we have that. You know, I live in an older yes, neighborhood. that's correct. But my street maybe has a little bit newer homes, but they're still, they've been around. But right. driving in, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. What's back so here. So what? we do is it's called mass appraising. Okay. We're not like the appraiser that comes to your house if a bank is wanting to loan you money. Yeah, and they come in and look at all look the fixtures. Look at everything. Yeah. Right. We don't, we don't do that. We just do mass appraising. So it's, we take it subdivision or area by area mm-hmm. because some subdivisions uh, can have multiple areas within it mm-hmm. that vary. You know, I'll give you an example of that would be those streets off of Johnson Street um, let's say near La Fonda's or uh, in that area. Yeah, like Kim Drive, you mean? Like just, right. Yeah. And, and some of those streets that start at Johnson Street and go all the way back to the river, mm-hmm. where the homes closer to Johnson Street are not valued the same as the ones that are on the river, although they might all be in one subdivision. Mm-hmm. So we have to break it down area by area <clears throat> to determine what the values are in a given area and I get this all the time. Well, y'all are trying to compare my house to River Ranch. No, we're not. And even in River Ranch, there are different areas, right. you know, with different values. So, no, we break it up on a much smaller scale, and but we don't do it house by house or building by building uh, necessarily. I mean, yes, it's based on your square footage and, you know, the characteristics of your house, yes, but to say that we're going to go in every single house and, oh, well, look, Jan Swift happens to have a built-in wine cooler. Well, next door, they don't have that. We don't know that. Right. You know, so it's a little difficult sometimes uh-huh. to come up with precise values like or better values, say, a fee appraiser would because mm-hmm. the fee appraiser is going into the homes yeah. and, and looking and at all picking that. picking it. Right. So you, when I used to do real estate closings— um, we would always tell in our cash sale, send, you know, information to this to this address. So, do you, do you get copies of the cash sales? Do you look at the like? Let's say I sold my house today. Would you get a copy and see that I sold it for whatever? We we use receive, that as a basis. We receive all of the sales documents mm-hmm. that are filed in the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Now, if Jan sells her house to uh, T. Boy Boudreaux on a cash deal, 
and they don't file anything in the courthouse. That's risky, huh? That's very risky, but it happens. Wow. It does happen. And it's still a good sale, but not against third parties. So. Right. But you, you wouldn't get notice then. We wouldn't get notice of it. Uh-huh. And so we are checking all of the court records for the sales transactions to see what things see if are you're close, for. like y'all kind of see if the values are close. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what we use for our comparisons. Okay. So we look at the house or the building, let's mm-hmm. just say, the property, and we see what it sells for. And so when we do a reassessment, let's talk about that a little bit. Is when that you every do a reassessment every four, four years, years, although it can occur in between that period, but we typically do it every four years, we look at the sales around a particular date. So, for instance, in the last reassessment in 2020, we had to look at sales six months before and six months after January 1st of 2019. And so when people look at our assessments right now and they say, well, wait, these houses are selling for more than you have them assessed for. Well, remember, they were assessed as of January 1st, 2019. And, you know, ironically, when you looked in 2016, we were in a depressed economy locally because of the oil and gas right. uh, tumble. Right. And so it's so volatile. It is. Every four years, Every four you can years. have just a totally different landscape. That, absolutely. And mm-hmm. if you look back um, in the 2004 and 2008 reassessment, to some extent 2012 reassessment, wow, things prices were increasing so fast in Lafayette Parish. And mm-hmm. people were saying, well, wait, my, the value of my house went up 30%. Yeah, that's what was happening in the market at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's happening in other parts of the country. In fact, right here in New Orleans, if you want to look at it, New Orleans is increasing so rapidly now because of the influx of people. And what's happening is uh, uh, investors are going into places like the Bywater area and they're buying properties at one hundred and fifty dollars to $200,000, say two fifty. dollars Completely renovating them Flipping and selling them, them yeah. for five hundred, six hundred thousand wow. dollars, and it's driving up the value and prices of uh, homes in New Orleans. And so, for older people that are just it's, they've been there forever, that's a it's, tough. It's tax a bill. tough, tough yeah. thing. In fact, that's what caused California to pass something called Prop Thirteen way back, mm-hmm. and that's what it did. It capped how much you could increase, you know, property values because people would just lose their homes they right lo- and left. Right, right. Yeah. And so it's it's an interesting business. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Well, I want to, there's so much to talk about. I'd like to pause, so if we may. We always look back at a prior interview, and this one is a clip from an interview we did with Councilwoman Nanette Cook back in 2017 when we still had the City Parish Council. Nanette is now serving as City Council District 4 rep, and in this little clip, she's speaking about a typical day in the life of a council member. You can hear her interview and many others on discoverlafayette.net. Let's take a listen. What's a typical day like? What type of calls do you get, or what, what do you have to do as a council person? Okay, well, you, as you can imagine, since August flood, most of the calls are drainage. I mean, we get, you know, mm. I mean, I'll probably get about three or four, or, you know, by now. Earlier on, right after the flood, of course, we got more than that. But right now, it's, we're, we're probably getting about three, or, at least I am, about three or four calls about drainage issues because there's certain still hot spots in, in, in my district that mm-hmm. still need some attention as far as, you know, looking out looking out for them. So, um, so about, you know, drainage would be probably the number one. And then, you know, then you'll get issues about maybe some trash mm-hmm. wasn't picked up or was skipped or things like just a couple of calls about services that maybe have, you know, been either 
overlooked or need addressing, that type of thing. And and then there's always zoning issues, um, you know, about, uh, you know, why is it zoned like this and we want to rezone this or mm-hmm. annexations or things like that. So, you know, it's it's a little bit of, of kind of a little bit of everything if, mm-hmm. as far as those things go. Um, so it's quality of life issues more than people calling you with big philosophical questions. They typically want uh, something fixed. Right. Initially, uh-huh. those are, 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 you know, the first types of calls we get. Now, when there's an issue coming up, like the smoking ban. Right. Yes, we did get a lot of calls about, you, you know. You did? We did, you know, about... From both sides, we had that we had the bar owners that were concerned about you know how that was mm-hmm. going to affect their business, mm-hmm. um, and then we had the other side of the coin that was you know so happy that we were going smoke free. We had the musicians, you know, weighing in as well. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette with Lafayette Parish Tax Assessor Conrad Como. So, what is this list? You've got I don't know how many sheets of paper that is thirty or so. <laughs> Well, listing like small small listings of a bunch of numbers. What is all that? It's all of the millages since I've been in office. Oh, since I started in office in two thousand one. So how so? What is, what is that? Well, it's a breakdown of each millage. Okay. How much the millage is or was? What the taxable taxable value is mm-hmm. or was? And then the revenue generated by those millages. Okay. So that I can kind of see what's happened. Through yeah, time the past with the millages, years, yeah, yeah, and, and people will, you know, ask me questions about, well, you know, in such and such a year, such and such was this or that. Well, then I can look back at this list and mm-hmm. see what was going on at that time, and to see how values have increased, right? Or I guess they've all increased over well, twenty years. Well, and actually, no, actually, no. In twenty twenty. For the first time since I was on the parish council back in the mid '80s, values values actually fell. Well, if you think about COVID and what it did, would you want to buy a restaurant in 2020? I see. Commercial. How about a hotel? Right. No. How about mm-hmm. an oil business, oil field business? No. Or some people didn't even want office space. That, that, that's right. Yeah. And so what happened is it caused all of those values to decreased tremendously, mm-hmm. whereas residential held up fairly steady during that time, the commercial properties took a beating. Well, same thing happened in the last oil crunch in the 80s. It was the first time that values took a big dive. Yeah. And I remember it vividly because I was on the parish council and we had to make a tough decision. Do we raise millages to bring in the same revenue can you explain that? So for people that are wondering, raise millages, you're not really raising taxes, but you want to keep uh, government revenue pretty stable. Right. So and if property's worth 200000 one year and then it falls to 100000 the next year, that would really cripple operations, right? Unless something was done. Well, that's, that's true, kind of. Am I, I'm not saying it right. <laughs> kind yeah. of. Uh-huh. Let, me, let me explain that. We look at the total assessed value. Not individually. Okay. Because of what I said earlier was that residential property held up mm-hmm. in 2020. The, the values were holding. It was commercial that dipped. But when the total assessed value declines, okay. then the governing authority, the taxing authority, has the ability to raise the millage, their millage, to bring in the same revenue as mm-hmm. the prior year. So they call that rolling forward? No. 
That's not it. No. I'm going to be quiet. No. That, <laughs> that is just a, an adjustment of the maximum. Ah. It's allowed in the Constitution so that government, local government, doesn't take a big hit. Mm-hmm. Because remember, property taxes are the more stable of the revenue sources. Look at what happened to sales tax revenue. It could fall through the floor. Right. So you need some stability in government, and so the stability is property taxes. So it allows it law allows property taxes, property taxing bodies, to raise their millage. Okay. To bring in the same revenue. Now, what you are referring to is when values increase. State law says that all taxing bodies must lower their millage to bring in the same revenue as the prior year. Okay, so it's the mirror image. It's the mirror image. It's not called... See, that is the rollback. Okay. That's the rollback. Okay. You have to roll back. But state law also says by a two-third vote of the taxing body, they can vote to raise their millage to the prior year's maximum. Okay. That's the roll forward. And that would be done, I guess, to protect future, you know, as, as time goes on. If it, you don't roll, if you don't move it forward, then over time, you can have some deficits, as that, we have here locally. That's correct. Right. And, that, and that's what happens. It's tough, and, I know, for and elected I do a presen- officials. Yeah, yeah, I do a presentation where I show what happened in the first four years of consolidation when millages were not raised that and state law says if you don't raise them before the next reassessment, you lose that new maximum. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that in the first four years of parish government, city parish government. So all of the city and parish millages, the revenues that were being generated are not what they could have been. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward to when eight, twelve years later, Joey Durrell's in office. Uh, during his first four years. Yeah, early 2000s. Right. And what happens? There's a $1 million deficit at the jail. Wow. If that first council had only raised those millages... To what to, they had been. What at, they could have been. Uh, excuse me. The million-dollar deficit would not be there. Well, people say, well, wait a minute, then that's just raising our taxes. you know. But think of it this way. That jail is a mandatory expense, meaning the parish government has to pay for that operation. Well, if there's a million-dollar deficit, where do you think that deficit money is coming from? It is coming from the general fund. Right, which could be used, could be for, used for roads, potholes. Yeah. bridges, drainage. Mm-hmm. But no, instead, we're having to use it on a jail. Right or the courthouse leaky roof, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's where the danger comes in not raising those millages to bring in mm-hmm. the necessary revenue. That, you know, and, and the other reason for allowing municipality or taxing bodies to raise that, to roll forward, mm-hmm. think of it like this. Do prices stay stagnant year after year? No. There is some level of inflation Almost has almost been there since I've been in office. There have been a couple of years where it dipped, but for the most part, it's increasing. Well, if it increases, if prices are increasing, but you're keeping the revenue steady, you're actually falling behind. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that's what's happened. Right. That's what happens when you don't increase that millage to, to stay up with inflation. So It's hard to be an elected official, it sounds like. And I want to ask you this, though. You're not responsible for any of these votes on whether or not the millages stay the same or rolled forward or whatever, but you must be giving advice to these elected officials. You, you, they wouldn't know what the numbers were if somebody didn't present, like, here's the situation for 2021, let's say. Right. And, and, and that's... And that is complicated, all that these is, different that is, millages. That's correct. And, you know, when you only handle it one time a year as an elected official, well, you forget, mm-hmm. you know, all that was involved in that process or that logic in the past. And so, I yes, I do have to uh, inform the councils or, or taxing bodies. Over and over. Over and over yeah. what the implications are or could be of mm-hmm. their decisions on these millages. I mean, I've done it in Scott, Youngsville, you name it. I, I've mm-hmm. been to those, those different taxing bodies to explain, okay, here's what happens if. Right. And you know, it's tough. Like nobody wants to be looked at as being someone that raises taxes, but with the deplorable condition of our courthouse and our jail and other things, you know, out, just out in the parish, nobody wants to pay for it, but it's a responsibility of the parish. It's a state law that, or I guess the constitution that mandates that. So while nobody wants to be paying for it, it's, it's a liability and it's just deplorable to look at the condition that some of our, um, you know, our, our services are rendered from. I, I agree with you, but I, I think the shining example of what can be done is the new airport. Mm-hmm. And if we would use that model going forward of, okay, well, we're going to, we're willing to tax ourselves for one year, one more penny yep. to months. raise enough money yeah. to Build a new jail, for instance. Mm-hmm. What's the problem with that? Let's do it for one year. It went by so fast. It, was, it, it did go boom. fast. Yeah. Boom. Next thing you know, okay, we're done with that. Because I'm looking, wow. there, there are certain things like for parish, there are parish millages that we all pay for that live in Lafayette. Not just city of Lafayette people, but every single person that pays taxes. And they are for things like the courthouse, juvenile detention, drainage district is a big one. Roads and bridges, the health unit, the airport, the libraries, of course. Tesh, Vermilion. I don't know what all these law enforcement districts are. That's, but that's the sheriff's office. And the major one is our schools. I mean, that's the biggest. Right, right. And so everybody in the parish pays those parish millages mm-hmm. because it— No matter it, where you live. No matter, no matter where what you city live, you're in, you're paying that. Because it's for the overall good of the entire parish. Mm-hmm. And granted, I have people that tell me from time to time, well, I don't have kids in school— True, but it's for the... You want to hire people, though. <laughs> right. Think of it this way. Do you want the person that's waiting on you not to be able to add and subtract? I mean, no. No, I want them to be educated, you know, have have some sense. And, and so this pays for... <laughs> people really... I guess they do say that, huh? Well... <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But, I mean, you know, some wherewithal about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and... That's the one way to look at it yeah. is that, okay, yeah, you might not be using that specific thing, but it's for the overall benefit mm-hmm. of the entire parish. And hopefully everybody gets it, like the drainage district. I know that that's been a point of contention. You know, we all pay it, but I don't know that it actually, the money goes into all the cities when they need drainage help. Well, and, and let me let me clarify that since you hit on it. Same thing goes for roads and bridges, those millages. Where, where does that Historically, money go? Historically, historically, even when I was on a parish council and before, 
when we had the police jury system. That Those revenues are spent primarily in the unincorporated areas of the parish. And, of course, people in the cities will say, well, wait a minute, why should I be paying that? Well, when you're driving, you don't stop at the city limits line. Mm-hmm. You go through the parish. And so we're all using those roads to some extent, and we're all helping to pay for those roads, bridges, and drainage. As the old saying goes, the water doesn't stop mm-hmm. when it hits the city of Lafayette or any other city limits. Right. It just keeps on going. So, yes, while it may be um, we think it's a pain to pay that, well, yeah, think of the consequences if you don't pay it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't clean those coolies below Lafayette, then what's going to happen? We're all going to suffer. All the water backs up. Yeah. So, yeah, we all suffer. And as you said, um, our taxes aren't really competitive. We're not, I guess they are competitive. They're low. They're low, right. uh, Compared to other parishes. Right. And you kind of get what you pay for in many ways. Yes, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the old saying. Mm -hmm. But you don't set these, so. I don't set them. Mm -hmm. You know, people think I'm raising taxes, you know, all the time. Well, just like this year, tax, the millage rate went up. Well, that wasn't due to me. I mean, look at all these millages. There's probably 20 millages or so on this page that independent bodies are voting on, and I don't control what they do over mm-hmm. any one of those, the school mm-hmm. board or the sheriff's office or the parish government. I, you know, Yes, I can inform them, but right. I'm not making those votes. But I get it. I, I get blamed for it, and that's okay. <laughs> you, that sheet you have with all the values since uh, you took office in 2001, what is Lafayette worth now? Is there like a number that you know? Is that putting you on the spot? Like, well, the, the, when I, here's, here's taxable the Taxable pro- value. Is here's, that what I should be asking? Well, here's the problem. I can tell you that number. That number, unfortunately, has very little meaning because... Remember what I said earlier about the 10% yeah, and 15%. 15. Mm-hmm. What I have are the assessed values. So the assessed value in the parish currently is $2.2 billion. When I took office in 2001, it was $1.16. Hmm. So it's pretty much doubled right. in the 21 years I've been in office. Mm-hmm. The assessed value has. Uh, and that's probably right, keeping with inflation and yeah, various factors sure. and, and all the growth, economic and, and growth. The growth. And the city of Lafayette, back in 2001, the assessed value was $678 million, 678. It's now 15 one point, I'm sorry, uh-huh. $1,545,000,000. So $1 two and a half, almost yeah. three times. Yeah. Wow. So the city has increased in economic prowess, like the assessed value. <laughs> uh, it has, but uh, so has the value in a lot of other areas in the parish. Mm-hmm. Um, Youngsville, Broussard. And not so much in some areas. So, uh, yeah, Youngsville and Broussard have really exploded in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott is doing well. Karen Crow is Karen starting. Karen Crow is doing great, yeah. But unfortunately, Doucan hasn't. Mm-hmm. Relatively speaking, the unincorporated areas of the parish have really taken off in the last few years, but prior to that, were kind of slow. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, a cloudy picture. It's not right. just this pretty picture that, oh, right. yeah, well, this, this happened here and that happened there. No, it's, it's a little it, more complex. You know, I served on the, um, that commission that the Lafayette City Council appointed to study issues 
including should we have our own mayor and, you know, things that relate to that. I was surprised at the higher number of people than I ever thought possible that live out in what we used to call the country in unincorporated areas. They don't want rules and they, you know, they want to be left alone until I guess their road is non-existent or it floods. But a lot of people live outside of any municipality. Absolutely. Very surprising to me. Absolutely. Um, when I first ran for office in 1999, for this office in 1999, I was looking at the precinct list and I, I saw this this precinct off of Vero School Road with 2,200 people in it. I thought, my gosh. Who where are, is that? Who yeah. are all these people? <laughs> yeah, where is this? And and, and you're right. The, the population in the unincorporated areas is high. And yes, you're right. Some people want to live out there because, well, they don't want rules this, that, and the other, and they like living out in the country, except when somebody wants to put a pipe yard or a pig yeah, farm next right, to them. because there's no regulation. There's no regulation. There's no... I lived like that before out in the country. Yeah, in yeah. St. Landry Parish, and it's... You can have... Whatever. Anything goes. Anything you know? goes next yeah. door. So it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a little freer lifestyle, <laughs> but... Pit bulls uh, roaming around yeah, and right. sewage systems right. that don't work right. Right, right. Yeah. And... and you know, until I was on the parish council, and we passed an ordinance where you could not burn trash in the parish. Well, people were burning their trash out in the in parish. the yard. In the yard, yeah, yeah. right. And so we passed that. We passed mm-hmm. mandatory garbage collection. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the parish. So that's yeah, yeah. Just interesting things over yeah. the years that have taken place. And what have you seen? I mean, you've been in office a while. What? How is Lafayette then compared to now? Have things changed? Um, things things are changing. Um, maybe not necessarily in what I would see as the, the best light. Um, and I'll give you an example. When we did consolidation, and I will say that of all the things I've done in office, that is the one vote that I regret, and that was to vote for consolidation. Uh, we used Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge Parish, as the example. <clears throat> and back then, it seemed things were working well for Baton Rouge because they only had Baton Rouge, Zachary Baker. Yeah, you know, just early a few, 90s. Yeah. yeah. Um, 80s, 80s. When they started and, studying this. Yeah, that's yeah. when we started studying it. And so we used that as an example and it seemed to be going well. So, okay, that looks great. Well, okay, let's fast forward now, you know, the 20 plus years, and let's look at Baton Rouge now. Well, now you have people moving out of Baton Rouge. They're setting up a new city called St. George. They set it up called uh, uh, St. George. St. George. Well, it's kind of in litigation, but right. it's, yeah, but it, everybody it, wants it to happen right. that lives there. And Central. Mm-hmm. Well, those two cities didn't exist 20 years ago. And, and they're doing well, like Zachary. Yeah. Number one school district. Right. But then look at the city of Baton Rouge and what's happening to the mm-hmm. city of Baton Rouge. And then let's look, come over here and look at Lafayette. The city of Lafayette has been the engine driving this train and, and will probably continue to be that. But will the city itself be as vibrant as it once was? I don't know so much about that because the city cannot grow like it should to become, uh, you know, a vibrant city. And 
if we lose that ability to grow, then we will end up like Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge Parish, in my opinion. And that's a shame because we had a lot going in this city and parish in those early years that I see maybe falling by the wayside. And people will, will say, well, yeah, well, look what's happening in Youngsville. Look what's happening in Broussard. Look what's happening in Scott and Carrickville. Yeah, I see what's happening. And what's happening is it's eroding what's happening in Lafayette. Yeah. And they're controlling their destiny. Right. You know, they have, they have been passing taxes to right. build quality of life initiatives. That's and correct. And they love it. It's wonderful. That's correct. And the city of Lafayette hasn't. And the city of Lafayette no longer has its own mayor. And well, it's got its own council to an extent, but it's not quite the same as mm-hmm. being separate from the parish. And therein lies part of the problem of what's going on here. And, yeah, mm-hmm. we can say how great things are in those communities. I don't know. Have you seen how many art studios are in those communities? How many performing arts centers are in those communities? Et cetera, et cetera. The mm-hmm. cultural things that made Lafayette great right. and make right. Lafayette great. If you don't have that vibrant city, it's going to be tough to maintain those types of yeah. cultural things that attract outsiders to your locale. Mm-hmm. You know, we see what's going on with Vermilionville and and our libraries it's and been our a library struggle. situation. Yeah. All those institutions that it took years to get to this point, and people don't understand why Vermilionville was built in the first place. It was during the last oil crunch. Mm-hmm. Everybody was running around here saying we need to diversify our economy. We need to diversify our economy. Vermilionville was set up to help diversify the economy because studies have shown that the longer you can keep a tourist in your town, the more money they spend. Mm -hmm. That's common sense. And what a destination that is. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you remove those things, why why would tourists want to come here? What, play baseball or soccer at some of these fields that we're building? No, that's not tourism. That's, Mm -hmm. That's not tourism. Right. And, and that's where we're, we're missing sight of what's, mm-hmm. what's drawing people and a diversified economy. That's the key. I'm glad you brought this up because really I moved here in 83 after law school. I grew up in Baton Rouge, and you're right. It's not like it used to be. I still love my hometown. It's home of LSU and the you know state government and all that, but it's not the same town I grew up in. But when I moved here, it was still 83. Things were still okay. I, I became an oil and gas attorney, and of course wow. that didn't you know that didn't last past <laughs> right. 1986. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is we had strong leadership, like Douglas Strapp and others were. They wanted to see this town make it because the joke was, you know, I believe in right. Lafayette, and last right. one leaving, turn out the lights. But people, that's when the. Um, Festival International, it came out of that international business exchange, trying to diversify, and people made tough decisions. And he got a tax passed, and he was a very conservative Republican. Right. But he saw that we needed to have money to to keep the community stable right. and rebuild it for people so that they could stay here and move back for those Correct. that left. So sometimes we lose that historical knowledge. Yes. And I don't want to see us hit bottom culturally. Well, and, and you know, if we allow that to happen— then the end result in 15, 20 years from now is not going to be a pretty picture. 
Because we do have a lot of entrepreneurs here that want to stay here. They grew up here. Right. And we have so much going for us, Conrad. We do. But looking at these millages, I think about all the money that's been shifted to other things. Right. You know, from the cultural amenities to to cover things that we need to cover. Right. There's no doubt. But But let let me tell you this. If somebody walked into this parish tomorrow with half a billion dollars, that would still not be enough to fix all of the drainage problems in this parish. So for us to keep fooling people and moving a mill here, a mill there, thinking and leading people to believe that we're going to fix the problems, give me a break. Shame on them. That's not going to happen. Yeah, you can go build a little retention pond here and a little retention pond there. But you think those little retention ponds are going to help the flood from 2016? Not on your life. Right. Not on your life. And yet we're not addressing the real problems, and that is, or one of the real problems, and that is allowing structures to be built at such a level that they can flood. Mm. That's where the problem comes in. Right. I'll give you an example. After Hurricane Rita, the mayor of Delcom said, I thought I was giving, helping people by giving them a variance on their building elevation oh. until I saw the water in their houses. Mm-hmm. They were set for a reason at a certain height. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So until we start addressing those fundamental problems, you can spend all the money in the world on drainage here. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to fix the problems. Yeah. You're just going to keep creating new areas in the parish mm-hmm. that can flood. Right. Will you enjoy your job? You still have fun with us? Love it. You do? Love it. Because it's it's about the numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that there are some things that occurred in the last year that are rather troubling. Um, and it, it, it affects people that, that aren't um, maybe the most savvy and they're losing their homes or their property, um, which that that's rather troubling, but it's not because anybody's doing anything illegal. The, the people that are taking the homes are doing it completely legal, but it's just tough to sit and, and see that happening. What are you talking about, tax sales? Yeah, yeah. Uh, these companies from out of town have come, come in, in and pay taxes. Pay on taxes, and after three years, they can acquire the property. Mm-hmm. And... You know, some of the people they're acquiring property from don't have all the wherewithal that they need to, to fight this right. situation or to seek help. A lot of those homes, too, are in families, but the original owners oh, are long that, dead, and they're maybe inhabited by a great-nephew. or Absolutely. And they, and, and they don't even know they that they owe taxes. That's correct. And, and it just is troubling, and it, mm-hmm. you know, it hurts me to see that happen. But Is there an increase in that? There was last year, yes. And because these companies have figured out how to go yeah. about doing it, and it's all legal. And the taxes are pretty low most of the time. Yeah. They're not going after these huge properties, no, right? No, no, and, and it's people that, like I said, might not have all the the, the wherewithal to know how to stop it from happening, to can, seek help in, in Can your places. office help? I mean, do you, do you try to reach out to people? Well, who, who gets involved in The that? problem is I don't know it till it's too late. Mm-hmm. Because ta- the taxes are not being paid to you. Right. I'm, not, just being paid. I'm not the collector. The sheriff is. The sheriff and, and the cities mm-hmm. are. And I don't, I don't keep track of who's not paying and who is paying. And so by the time it gets to my office, <laughs> it's too late. 
You know, I, I might be able to do something on the earlier stages, and that's what I'm saying. These people don't have the wherewithal to know to, who to contact and how, oh. to, how to get help. And, and, and then they just get the heave-ho. That's it. I mean, it's a process. It's a legal yeah. process, but I'm kind of still, simplifying it. Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah. it's sad. Yeah. You know? Well, it shouldn't happen these, yeah. you know, in this day and time. But well, anything you wanted to talk about that you thought I would ask, or anything we didn't touch on? Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty. It can be very dry and complicated, but it's what makes the world go round. It, it is. It's. Uh, I, I think we've covered the fundamental things. Uh, there are some uh, abatements that people can can uh, apply for that we didn't touch on. So, you know, we have what's called a senior freeze. Okay. Although we're not seizing, freezing the senior citizen, we are <laughs> freezing <laughs> Cry, the assessed. Cryogenics. Yeah. Right. We are freezing the assessed value of their property. Okay, so how does that they, work? When a person turns 65 they and their income is $100,000 or below, okay. their adjusted gross income on their tax return is 100000 or below, they can apply to have their property value frozen, and which means we're not freezing the taxes. The taxes can change depending mm-hmm. on the millage rate. We're freezing that value as of that point in time going forward so that when we have reassessments, their values won't go up. Their tax bill might change a little bit, but mm-hmm. their assessment won't go up. So, for instance, in the, in the early years of 20. 2004, 2008, that was a huge thing because values were increasing tremendously. Mm -hmm. So if people froze their values, they didn't get those big hits that a lot of people uh, received. So that's that's an important thing. Plus, if they're disabled, uh, they can apply for for the same type of freeze. Mm -hmm. If they're a veteran uh, that has been injured with a service-related injury, they can apply for— You just apply once and then it sticks— or well, you have to only do for the over? only for the senior citizen uh, freeze, the others have to apply annually. Oh, and renew it annually. Oh, wow. Well, because the situation may change. Yeah, you know, right. <clears throat> somebody's disabled; they may remarry, for instance, and their income increase. Well, mm-hmm. that, that's what it's. So, hundred thousand. What if you don't work anymore, but you? You know, you're spending your IRA. I guess that all is on your tax uh, return. Whatever's your adjusted gross income. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's the key bottom line. Yeah. Yes. It pays to ask, right? It pays to ask. Mm-hmm. And if I get, it's funny that every four years I do a big promotion about this, and I still have people that, that don't know about it. So if you know somebody that's 65 or older and they haven't frozen their property value, it's worth asking about. On your homestead. On homestead. Only applies if you have a homestead. It doesn't apply to rental mm-hmm. property or a, uh, commercial right. properties, but it's... And let's talk about that, too, before we wind down. I, when I would do real estate closings, we would make sure that we went and had the homestead exemption form you know, filed with your office. It's filed with yes. your office. Yes, correct. I want to make sure I'm saying that right, right. at 1010 That's, Lafayette right. Street still. Because a lot of people didn't realize that they could get the 75000 And I know it's... All the money you talked about, the percentages, but all that aside, it takes off the value, the first seventy-five thousand right. value in your home, which makes a huge difference on your tax bill. And people didn't realize that that was something they should do. But then I've also helped people, Conrad, that their homestead is a, a mobile home; it's immobilized, and they get that same 
deduction, right? It's not no. just people that have a mortar, that's, like a mortar no, home. No, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So people, I would help, I would do sales, you know, one person selling their their um, mobile home. I guess it's called something else, but yeah. Manufactured but, home. Manufactured home. But anyway, um, they didn't realize that they had been paying too much in taxes. Right. And my clients didn't realize, oh, you know, because they ended up paying no taxes. Right. Because none of those homes were over 75000 That's correct. That's correct. So it's really a big benefit for it, people. It amounts to about $640 a year. That's a lot. That, that's a lot of money. And you're, you know, yes. kind yeah. of fixed income. Or, sure. Don't have a lot, but uh, any other programs or anything? Uh, can you ever just get out of paying your taxes if you've had a bad year? Any breaks on that? <laughs> That's a little tough. That's a little tough. And, and I, I, I do have people that call me and, and, mm-hmm. and tell me that. And can they pay on the installment plan or something? Again, that's out of my bailiwick. Uh, that's true. Because you're not collecting I tried it. Yeah. in I think somewhere around 2008 or so to go to the legislature. I did go to the legislature with a bill that would allow individuals to pay their property taxes in installments. Right. Prior it's to easier. December mm-hmm. to make it easier on people that weren't having their their uh, taxes escrowed you right. know, with their house mm-hmm. note. Well, that didn't go anywhere because the tax collectors. It's a lot of work huh, for the tax. Well, collectors. that's the problem. The tax collectors didn't want to have to do uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's done in other states where you can pay quarterly. Yeah, just like your federal income tax. Right. You I can, always wondered why you couldn't pay when you sell a home if you sell it in June. Why can't you just settle up then? But you got to prorate the taxes, right. and then the new person pays. Right. The, the buyer pays right. in December. Right. That's because we're sending only one bill mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Yeah. You know, the, or the tax collectors are. I'm not sending them out, yeah. but the tax collectors are. I thought we thought they'd be glad to get their money all year. You know? I thought so, too, when I put this bill in the, <laughs> in the legislature, but not so. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to do things like that in the past, and it just, um, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, for one reason or another, other taxing bodies didn't want to do it. Right. So I was like, okay, or other collectors, I should say. Well, I hope this, you know, explained for people what you do and what your responsibilities are. Because sometimes we will blame one elected official. Gosh darn it. Right. Why are they doing that to us? And it may not even be that elected official, right? Right. (laughs) Uh, It's okay. A lot of people want to blame me for taxes being raised. And when I, indeed, I have very little to do with that. We just deal with assessed values. And, you know, people want to complain about their, their taxes and they... And when I look at their assessment, I ask them, I said, well, what is your house worth? And then they tell me, and they said, well, wait, I have it assessed for less than that. You know, and they say, oh, well, I still pay too much in tax. Well, that's, that's not mm-hmm. what I do. I just handle the assessments. But if somebody, I meant to ask you this, if somebody does have a beef, let's say, with their assessment, how do they, do they file a, um, All they have is to there do a process to file call something? Just call us. Just call us, and we'll be glad to look at, at, because there are mistakes that are made. You know, we may have this house, for instance, at 5,000 square feet, and it's Jan not, says, yeah, well, it's, 3, it's, it's only 3,500. Yeah. You know, or it's only 2,500. Oh, well, okay. Well, then, yeah, we'll adjust that. And we, mm-hmm. Yeah, if we find mistakes, absolutely we'll correct them. But people have to call it to our attention, yeah. you know, and, and uh, just as another thing that really people should do is if their house floods mm-hmm. or if it's damaged by fire or, or hurricane, really should call our office because we will make adjustments oh. uh, during those circumstances. Mm-hmm. 
And it, just like we just had these hurricane, this Hurricane Ida that went toward through Louisiana, all of those assessors had to reassess the properties. Oh wow! God. After the storm, can you imagine in Lake Charles? Oh, oh God! Oh, like poor Lake Charles, they're <laughs> getting hit left and right. Left and right. And that assessor is having to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. You know, every time there's an incident. Right. So, yeah, people should call our office when there's some mm-hmm. some tragedy that hits. And now, somebody loses their job, and, and well, unfortunately, the law doesn't allow me to mm-hmm. make. To suspend taxes. To suspend taxes, right. you know, or change assessments be based on that. So if we want to contact you, what's the best way? I've always just, you know, type in Lafayette Parish Tax Assessor, and up comes your site, and well, you've got, you can look up your home, and you can look up other people's homes yeah. and see what, what and, they paid and what it's worth. <laughs> and, and that's exactly why I put that information on mm-hmm. the web. It's very helpful, so running that, title. Yeah, you yeah. can find out before you go to the courthouse, you know what right. acts to look up. Right, Yeah. Uh, if they want to call me, they can call our office at 291-7080 and, and you just ask to speak to an appraiser if they have a question about their appraisal or homestead exemption. Whatever their question is, you know, we have, I have a great staff. You They're do. Very, very helpful mm-hmm. to people. And, and if you ever have a problem with my staff, I want to know that too. But they are very helpful. <laughs> they They've are. always been good. They're, yes, yes. And very knowledgeable. And, you know, we try to do what we can to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I I do have my limitations, you know, based yeah. on laws in the state of Louisiana. Well, I think your your website is wonderful, and again, people can go to that and they can look up by name, uh, by subdivision, right. by uh, address. You can right. look up property you might be interested in buying to see, right. you know, who owns it, what they pay for it. Uh, and your staff, I've called, and they'll they'll kind of give me more information behind the scenes because you've really got to. You've got a lot of information. Yeah. So. And if anybody wants to look it up on the web, it's just LafayetteAssessor.com. Mm-hmm. Spell out the word Lafayette. There's no dots or anything. Just LafayetteAssessor.com. Yeah. And it's easy to find the information there. Well, Conrad Coma, I want to thank you so much for taking time during the holiday season to come over and uh, and for all you do for our community. Thank you very much. You've been a, a good friend. You're welcome. Yep. Anytime. And I want to thank our listeners for being loyal. Um and of course, our sponsors. What I want to mention my gratitude um, as we wind down this year. Iberia Bank, now a part of the First Horizon family. Oxner, Lafayette General. And of course, Raider and Jason Sakura, who mixes our tape. Thank you so much for all you do. And thank you for listening to Discover Lafayette. This is Jan Swift. Mm-hmm.